You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. We live stream our second gathering. Would you give it up for those watching online today? So good to have you here. And uh, man, my name's Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I came, checked out our women's conference, and they had like, you know, little hors d'oeuvres and little like candies. Guys, we got maple bars and bacon fast, and we're going to, any guys like bacon in the house? Well, three of you, the rest of you are lying right now. Okay, if you're on the keto diet, come, there's lots of bacon. No, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, show It starts uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday night, and then on uh, uh, um, the next morning, 9.30, there's a breakfast and a bacon fest and all that stuff. We got lots of, we got someone cooking up all the different ways you can eat bacon, and uh, I'm going to try all of it. And so, uh, but hey, we're in a series called Mission, a Miracle of Mercy. It's our life group series for the fall. And every fall, we kind of recalibrate the church and do a series together. And, and we really felt like it was appropriate with our culture. And, and I mean, you can write the wrong thing on Twitter or Facebook and have people unfriend you and cancel you. And we, in fact, they call it cancel culture. And, and uh, how many want to know that we just can't cancel people? How many know that? How many want to know, aren't you glad God hasn't canceled you because you offended God? Anyone glad that God hasn't canceled you? Any, I mean, I'm, I'm, am I the, I'm, I'm a recipient of grace in here and so glad that God, when I failed. In fact, let me ask you a question. Anyone here ever failed? I failed. Anyone ever failed a friend before? Let me ask you another question. How many of you guys are ready for snow? It's coming. Let me just tell you right now, it's snowing right now somewhere in Alaska. And I know it is, but it's ticking somewhere in Alaska, and it's going to stick here, and then we're all going to get our sleds out and our snow machines out, and, and, and we're going we're, we're to get our fat tire bikes out. We're going to get our skis out. I mean, you guys are excited about winter. Man, I don't know about you. Let's just live every summer like summer's going to never end. Let's live winter like winter's never going to end. Let's live spring like spring's going to I mean, three days of spring's great, right? Um, but let's, 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 let's be all here. But, but I want to look at the story today. I want to look at uh, Jesus. Two of his best friends failed him. Have you ever failed a friend? You ever had a friend fail you? Within 24 hours, two of Jesus' pocket of people, okay, he, he's got the Last Supper. He's up there, and that's where we get our communion from. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you know, he breaks the bread, blesses it, say, take it either. So he has the Last Supper together, and he begins to tell his disciples about what's going to happen. And that night, Judas betrays him. Uh, uh, remember, he, Jesus, Judas betrays him. And, and in that betrayal, uh, uh, he failed Jesus' re- relationship with Jesus. But that same night, Peter failed Jesus. It's not a question of we're going to fail or not. It's a question of how do we respond when we fail. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to promise you something. Look at him. Just tell him that. It's two words. I want to promise you something. I'm going to fail. Now, that's therapeutic, isn't it? Let's just get it out in the open. We're human beings. We fail. We're going to fail. Now, the difference is this. In fact, the, the reality is this. Is, is Judas betrayed Jesus Peter denied Jesus three times, and it's the exact same sin. Both of them. 
They're just different expressions of the same realities. Judas, uh, uh, but, but, but in Judas' Judas's failure, he rejected the mercy of God and actually went out and fell on his own sword. Took his own life. Peter, he failed Jesus but accepted the mercy of God and goes on to be one of the greatest leaders that the church of Jesus Christ of current day living saints has ever had. Incredible. And it, based, it was based on how did they respond to mercy. How did one rejected it and one received it. And what I want to talk about this weekend is, is I want to look at God's mercy and our failures. How many want to know we need God's mercy and we all fail? And because we fail, we need God's mercy. And, and so this whole the series is on, is on the miracle of mercy. But the reason why we need to understand mercy for ourselves, it's very hard to give mercy to other people when you yourself don't experience it. And, and, and so we want to talk about how do we experience failure and yet receive mercy. There's three things I want to talk about. I want to talk about what causes personal failure uh, uh, and, and when I say personal fail, all failure, business failure, financial failure, marriage failure, failure in relationships. Uh, and I want to look at Peter and how Peter, these are, these are how, why Peter failed. And they're the same reasons we fail today. And secondly, I want to look at what Peter did right when he failed. He failed forward. I watched a football game the other night and I'm thinking, or yesterday, and I was like, there's times when people get the ball and they fall the wrong way. It's like the line's right. Fall, fall forward, not backwards. Anyone, if you're going to fall, let's fall forward. We're going to fail, but how do we fail forward? How do, we, how do we leverage our failure with God's mercy and grow forward, not backwards? And lastly, I want to look at how does God respond to our failure? So let's dive in here. Let's, let's get right into it. I want to talk about, again, what causes our personal failure, three things Peter did wrong, and what causes personal failure. Number one, we, we, failure starts when we overestimate our strength. When we overestimate our strength. Uh, it's a big cause of failure in our lives. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus had finished the Last Supper. He's with his pocket of people, his life group. He broke bread. He gave them the cup. Then he begins in this context, an intimate conversation, and begins to tell them things are going to happen in the future. He tells them going to be, he's, there, he's going to be arrested. He tells them he's going to die. He tells them that three days after he dies, he's going to rise from the dead, and he's going to meet them in Galilee. In fact, let's, let's go into this conversation in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 26, and it says this. Then Jesus said to them, Tonight... All of you will fall away because of me. Now, how many of you guys would like to be in that meeting where God tells you you're all going to fail that night? For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after, after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you in a gal. He's talking about I'm going to die, uh, 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 and, 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 but it's, I'm going to come back. I'm going to meet you. And I love what Peter says. Peter, Peter says, even... If everyone, now there's only 11 other people in this room. Can you imagine this? Jesus just says, every one of you is going gonna, is gonna to, tonight you're going to fail. And, Je and Peter goes, excuse me, Jesus, I don't know if you know what you're talking about. You might think it's a prophetic word, but you miss God. <laughs> he couldn't miss God, he was God. And, and he says, everyone else, I mean, the other 11, obviously, but I will, I will never, say never. He says, I will never fall away. Now, I like what Jesus says, truly, I tell you, 
I always love it when Jesus has to remind people he's telling them the truth. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, tonight, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then Peter responds. I mean, it's, it's like he's dense. You ever had one of those guys that like he doesn't get the fact he's being rebuked? Even if I die, if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. See, I will never. Friends, that's the word of overestimation. It's my due tongue. I'm just getting used to it. You overestimate your strength. I will never. Everybody else might, but it's not me. And friends, we, we all have to be careful when we get to a place where we don't think the, 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 the challenge or the temptation or the trial. How many businesses have failed from estimating their strengths and not estimating their weaknesses? How many battles were won or lost because the, 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 the allies overestimated their strengths and minimized the weaknesses of the, of the others? And, or how many students flunk out in school because they overestimate their study habits? Or how many spouses fall into affairs because they said they would never walk down that path they saw someone else fall into? I'll never. When you overestimate your strengths, when you don't have, uh, let me, let me say, I, when we forget that we're human, can I say it that way? When we forget, I don't know about you, I put my pants on one leg at a time. Do all of you do the same thing? I bleed red. How many guys bleed red? Okay, none of you? Okay, thank you. A few people are raising their hand. The rest of y'all are sick, need to go to the doctor, you're not bleeding red. In other words, we're all human beings. We all have challenges. We all have struggles. And, 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 and in fact, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. So whoever, that word whoever, that's us. That's the people around us in our orbit, our sphere of influence. Uh, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Whoever thinks he stands, in other words, whoever thinks they're at a place where they're never going to fall, they must be careful not to fall. What Paul is saying is given the right situation, all of us are capable of sinning and failing. Every one of us. We all have the capacity to fail. We all have the capacity to say, oh, I'll never do that. Oh, pastor, I'll never go there. And if I'm that pastor that says, oh, I'll do no, everyone else. But I friends, guess what? We all, including me, have the capacity to be <laughs> sinful and stupid. And, and, and part of Peter's strength or weakness in failure was everyone else might, but not me. This doesn't... This, and this pride. pride. Pride is when, when, when something enters in and we don't think that the rules apply to us, that the discipline applies to us, that, the, that, that what's out there for everyone else, is, it's for them, but we don't need to, because we can cut the corners because we're stronger. And friends, when, when we do that, Paul says, whoever thinks he stands must be careful, because at that point, pride comes before what? fall but God gives grace I don't know about you I you know or God opposes the proud the Bible says but gives grace I want God's grace I don't want my arrogance 
Grace is like, God, I need you. The first reason we fail is because we overestimate our strength. The second reason we fail is because we fear the disapproval of other people. I'm probably the only one in this room, or uh, with those of us in the room or online, who ever fear not being liked. Y'all are past all that, aren't you? Here's Peter. Everybody else, not me. Jesus, I'll die for you. I will die for you. Nobody else might, but I'll never fail you. And, 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 and let's, let's pick up the story here again. He, he had just said, I will die for you. Now, what's interesting is between the conversation where he says, I'll die for you, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying. He keeps coming back and says, hey, can you watch and pray with me for one hour? Can you not pray? And he keeps waking him up. Three times Peter fell asleep during his private prayer time. And friends, let me just say something. Long before Peter denied Jesus publicly, he denied him privately. Long before the public, if you want public victories, you gotta have some private victories. In fact, I, I believe this, the most public thing you do is your private devotions with Jesus. The most public thing you do is the thing you do when the curtain's closed, no one's around, and you spend time. And, and, and here's Peter. He, Peter wrestled with, with, uh, with, with, with be, pleasing people all of his life. Because later on in the book of Acts, there's a time when, when, when Paul had to come over and say, why is it when you're around the Jewish Christians, you act differently than when you're around the Gentiles? You act different ways around different groups of people. Peter struggled with approval, and I think, be, and being a light, we, I think we all, many of us in here struggle. We change our political answers around certain groups of people. We're careful how we say things. We, 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 how many of you like to be criticized? How do you like people to disagree with you publicly? Nobody. No, we don't like those things. And, and, and if we want the approval of other people, we have to realize. In fact, I, I, uh, a couple months ago, we took in a foster son. And uh, uh, he had never used a handbrake bike. He'd always had the, the, brake, the foot brakes. And, but, but we had bought a bike just like my older son, my eight-year-old. And, and so he had, had, we have twin bikes at our house. And, and we're riding. And, but they're handbrakes. And so I was teaching him. He goes, I know, I know. The kid knew how to do it. He was, a, he, was, he was perfect with handbrakes until he needed them. And so he's riding up the hill, and he's got to beat his little brother, foster brother. And they go up the hill, and they're coming down. I think we had some guests that swung by to drop something off. And, 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 and here's this kid riding, and my foster son's riding down the hill. He's like, woo! And he's yelling. His feet are flying like this as he's bouncing on the seat. He's acting all cool. And I was like, slow down. And he's like, why? <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh no. So he puts his feet on the, on the pedals and he's like spinning backwards because the brakes don't work on there. But he's trying to show off. He's trying to be cool. You know how, any, no, none of us have ever done that. <laughs> and I said, the hand brakes. And he goes, oh yeah. And of course he's like, I wished I would have listened to Mark before he, when he tried to tell me how to use them. Luckily, there's some tall grass on one side of our road, and, and, and he's coming down fast, and he starts to veer toward the, and, and he grabs the front brake, and he, he doesn't realize you're supposed to be gentle with both brakes. Slow down. No, he jams the front brake of his wheel, and the bike goes, Whoa, and he flies like Superman. He loves it. He gets up, I'm an Avenger. 
I'm just like, no, you're not. <laughs> but he wanted everyone to think he could do it, and he wanted to be liked by everyone. And I wonder how many of us are like that six-year-old foster kid where deep down inside we want just to be accepted and we know how to do it. And we struggle with people-pleasing. In verse 58 of the same chapter, Matthew, it says this, Peter was following at a distance. He went from, I will die for you. I'll never disown you to Jesus is up there, and here's Peter falling where? Not like right next to him saying, hey, I know you got arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm here. I got your back. He did have his back. He tried to kick the guy's ear off, remember? But now he's following him at a distance. And, and, and if you read the Bible, in different versions, it says he goes in, he's warmed himself by the fire. It's amazing how we, when we follow God at a distance and begin to warm our hands by the wrong fire. We won't go there. It's a different day for a different topic. It says, but he falls in a distance, right, right, right as the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting by the servants to see the outcome. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A servant girl approached him and said, you, you were with Jesus. You're one of the Galileans. You were there with him. But he denied him in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. Denied him publicly. I want to ask you a few questions this morning. That's this. How close are you following Jesus? Not yesterday, not last week, but how close? Are you where you should be? Are you where you used to be? Or have you slipped? And if you're not where you used to be, it's not Jesus who moved. Or you're falling in a distance. Whose opinion matters to you more than God's? Whose opinion matters more to you than God's? And have you, ever, have you ever asked yourself why the opinion of other people is so important and why it matters so much? Why does it matter when people criticize me? Why does it matter when they dislike what I, the decision I make or they disagree with me? Or, or, or have, I, have, have you ever asked this question, why am I such a coward when it comes to being different? Why does it matter so much? And, and I would say this, because many of us, there's two stages we live on in life. You see me on one of the stages every Sunday when you come. You see me on the front stage, but you don't see my backstage. And I see your front stage and not your backstage. I don't, you, 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 you probably, you, 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 you drive into the parking lot and a miracle happens. Everyone's having a pretty good day at church. You fight with your spouse the whole way here. Yell at the kids, shut up and tell you. Okay, two of you know exactly, like, how did he know what happened to my car today? Because I have a car, too. But the front stage of life is where everyone sees us. The backstage is our soul and our spirit and what's really going on. And we can manage our front space pretty well, but are we managing the back space? And Socrates said this. He says, he says, the unexamined life isn't worth living. My question for you is on the backstage of life, the stuff that prepares you to be criticized and different and, and be okay with the fact that God's mercy and love is for you and not everyone around you has to love you. When we make decisions for approval or acceptance of people, it's called people-pleasing. It's called the fear of man. And friends, 
If you read the book of Proverbs over and over and over and over, Solomon is talking about his fathers. He says, uh, my, my, you know, basically, son, would you take these words? Be a person of wisdom. Be a person who, 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 who understands that, that, that it's more important to please God and have fear of God than to have fear of man that drives you. And in Proverbs, it says this, it is dangerous. It's a dangerous trap. Say trap. To be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you'll be safe. We have to be careful when we get to a place where we're concerned about the approval and acceptance of people. So when, you're, when you overestimate your strengths and then you underestimate the fact that you have this part inside of you that doesn't want to displease people... Then, 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 then that, that's why we fail because we're not honest with where we're really at sometimes. We don't really get the stuff out and say, this is where my marriage is. This is where my life is. This is the decisions I'm making because we want to appear to everyone like things are just great. The third attribute of failure that we see in Peter is we speak without thinking. Now, I look out there with all y'all, looks like you all have two ears and one mouth, right? Is that a fair assumption? I mean, I can see your mouth and your ears without my glasses, but I can see it better now. Why is it that we have two ears and one mouth, yet we speak twice as much as we listen? Our mouths. Anyone here ever had their mouth get them in trouble? Oh, my goodness. Heidi, has my mouth ever gotten me in trouble? No. See, I told you that some, some rules don't apply to me. I'm no joke. Just kidding. So the, the challenge is we put our mouth sometimes in motion before we put our mind in gear. And, and, we, and we speak impulsively and rashly and hastily and, and thoughtlessly. And Why? Because we get emotional rather than, than, than rational. You ever had someone say, well, I just, I just felt like I had to tell them what I was feeling. That's called stupid. That's not courage at times to tell someone everything you're thinking. It's called immaturity. I know there's certain things some people shouldn't know that you thought. Anyone here know what I'm talking about? But when you get emotional, you, you fly into the, the response thing, defense mechanisms where, well, you, I'm going to tell them what I feel and what I think. And how many want to know you can't always trust your feelings. You can't always trust what's in your heart. Because but it's a heart the mouth speaks. You've got to sometimes have a filter and put a governor on your mouth. And how do I know this is part, part of Peter's problem? Because Peter... Peter got pushed the first time. You know this? I don't know the guy. Don't know him. Mm -mm. And then we pick up later on. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told him, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached him and said to Peter, you're one of them. You, you have an accent. It gives you away. And he, say, he says he started to curse and swear. Curse and swear. How do you go from I will never fall away? Everybody else might to cursing. You curse when, you're, when your mouth gets going without your brains engaged because swearing is always a sign of frustration. It's a sign that fear is reigning. You got, you're, you're afraid, so you go emotional because you're not thinking rational. You're not thinking logical. You're not thinking reasonable. You're thinking emotional. When people swear, it's because they've given up logic. And they resort to emotion. 
And he's, he's, he's thinking, or he's speaking without thinking. And, and, and so when you do that, uh, uh, you, 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 you get to a place where, and there's people who ruin marriages because they don't think through what they say. They ruin relationships. They don't have what we call a filter. How many of you know people, or you, you can go to circumstances, thought, man, if I had to overdo it again, I wouldn't have said what everything in me said. Because how many want to know the devil wants you to say the wrong things? He wants you. See, anger is one letter short of danger. We have to be careful when we get emotional. And, and about that time, Peter goes, here's a... <laughs> How many want to know? That a tr- that's a trigger he'll never forget. I don't know if there's chickens in heaven. But if there is, Peter wakes up every day to... <laughs> now let's shift our focus. Three things Peter did right. Three things we should do when we fail. Number one, Grieve. Number one, grieve, and I wish I had more time to unpack every one of these, but when we grieve, we grieve the failure. We don't minimize the failure. We don't pretend it didn't happen. We don't justify the failure. We don't rationalize the failure. We don't make excuses for the failure. We don't blame others for the failure. To blame is to be lame. You ever been around, any employers around here when you're talking to someone, and, and it's like there's, there's certain people that take zero responsibility for their challenges. It's always someone else's fault. Friends, why don't you, you know, just, re, there's times you have to own up and realize, you know, I'm not everything I thought I was. I did some mistakes. And grieve it, own it, and, and, and in the process, walk through it. Feel the pain. Don't brush it off. Don't downplay it. See, see when you feel the pain, you, you don't rush to feel better. You, you, you say, God, I don't want to only feel better. I want to be healed through the process. See, here's a principle of life. You, you, you can't get past it if you don't go through it. You can't go around it. You can't go. There's times, and, and you watch this when, when, when there's times you do marriage counseling or you, 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 you counsel someone who's made really poor choices, and they just want to, they, they want to pretend like it never happened. They want to pretend like that they didn't break trust in relationships, and it's like, no, it's Okay. To be hurt, it's okay to say you're sorry. It's okay to admit you're wrong. It's okay to walk through that until God heals you. Does God make it better yet? Can God remove stuff at the altar? Yeah, I always believe this. You pray as if everything depends upon God, but you walk away and work as if everything depends upon you. You do your part, God does his part. Grieve it, own it, accept it. Peter it says when he heard the rooster crow, he remembered what Jesus had said. He says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. He wept. He grieved. He realized uh, uh, there's a difference. He didn't go, oh, great, I got caught. He wasn't upset he got caught. He grieved because he realized he disowned God. I sinned. He wept. He owned it. He he owned the failure. And the greater the failure you have in your life, the more time it's going to take to process it and the greater the loss. But here's the thing. Let God work on your heart. Let time bring the healing. You can't force healing. You can't rush 
the right. You, you, you can't rush the process. God can deliver you instantly. But now you're in the process of healing and recovery. And here's the deal. Recovery is an act of God's mercy. Aren't you glad God can heal you and forgive you and save you? See, here's the thing. That the reason sin is so damaging is this. The devil, before we commit sin, he minimizes it and said, it's not a big deal. Doing this isn't a big deal. Go do it. Then after we do it, he maximizes and says, you're the worst person ever. He didn't say that was a stupid sin. Way to go, idiot. He says, you're the worst person because he attaches shame to us. God wants to pull the shame and give us forgiveness. That's why you grieve. God, I'm sorry. Repentance is when you say, God, I'm sorry. And it's, it's, it's just, God, and, and take this shame off. Take, take it off of me. God, roll the reproach away. It's what grief is. God, weeping and saying, God, I, I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's not focusing on the failure. It's focusing on the forgiveness. Anyone here need forgiveness? I've, I need it all the time. So number one, you grieve. You, you say, God, forgive me. You don't maximize what you did. You maximize his forgiveness. And, and you don't focus on the failure. You focus on God's forgiveness. And number two, let your pocket of people support you. Find that pocket of people. Everything I've been reading, I've, I'm on a journey the last several months on, I've been reading books about your soul and, 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 and the, the, the part of you that no one sees but God. The, 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 the part that's the backstage part. And every book I've read on strengthening your soul talks about the role of friends and the right people who can see in your life and have a relationship with you. And the thing is this, many of us don't have friends. We live in a disconnected culture. We don't take time for friends. But here's Peter. Peter failed. He wept bitterly. And instead of just going off and isolating himself and being by himself, you know, the, 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 the crucifixion happens. The resurrection happens. Where's Where's Peter? Let's, let's go. Let's, I'll show you where Peter's at. In, in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 10, it's Easter morning. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, gone to the tomb. They didn't find Jesus. And they, they saw an angel, and the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? You're not going to find Jesus here. And they go back to tell the disciples, and it says this. It says, she went and reported to those who'd been with him. That's the disciples. As they were mourning, they, say they. They were together. They didn't separate. They got together. Another version says Mary Magdalene went and found the disciples together, grieving and weeping. They refused and resisted the urge to isolate, and they got together. And that night, 12 hours later, when it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples gathered together in the, with the doors locked because they feared the Jews who might come, uh, 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 fear the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Could you imagine you're grieving? And, and here's Peter, a part of the group, going like, I, I can't, I deny Jesus. And every time I hear that stupid demonic rooster crow, he's with there, Jesus shows up. And I've had a life group for nine years since I've been the pastor at True North Church, and Jesus has never physically showed up in my life group, but he shows up every week in my life group. Because whenever two or three gather together in my name, he shows up. And here's Jesus. 
He's got the wounds in his wrists and his age. What happens? He shows up because they're there. Uh, friends, you need to have a pot. When you're walking through failure, don't think I got I to fix it all right till people will be my friend. No, you might just need to swallow your pride. Realize it's not fattening and find a friend who can help you walk through it. You have to grieve. You have to find a pocket of people. And thirdly, you have to cast your... your, your, your Cast myself or ourselves on God's mercy. I love what Peter says. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, because of his great mercy. Who's Peter? He's the one that walked through receiving mercy. And he writes a book and says, because of his great mercy, God has given us new life. God has given us new life by raising Jesus from the dead. This, fulfills, uh, this fills us with living hope. This is coming from someone who understood dropping the ball, failing Jesus, denying Jesus, and he goes, and two chapters later, he says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Now, what does that tell me? That tells me that Peter learned you don't hold your fears, you don't hold your cares, you don't hold your disappointments, you don't hold your sins, you cast them to Jesus. And that word cast is not like you, you, you get your old reel rod and reel out and pull the bale back and put some weight on the end and throw that sucker out there. It's not, you're not cast in that way. That word cast right here is just drop it. Cast your, drop your cares because he cares for you. Drop your failure. Drop your shame. Drop your disappointment. Drop your fear. Drop your insecurity. Drop it. Because he cares. And Peter tells us that because Peter knows it. If he was here and said, there's a day, guys, I wept bitterly because I realized the very thing I said I would never do, I did. And every time I hear a rooster, the devil comes back and goes, ah. He goes, no, shut up. I'm, his mercies are new every morning. And how do I know that? Because every time a rooster crows, I'm reminded of the faithfulness of God, of a Jesus who still loves me, even though I failed him. There's five more points. I'm going to give the melancholics that, that won't sleep tonight if I don't give you your five points. But then I'm going to cut the close here. Five, five things Jesus does with our failures. Number one. He's not shocked. He's not shocked. You know why? Because we're human. And he knows it. He came to earth because earthlings were broken because of the sin of man. He understands earthlings. He understands the realm we live in. He understands the brokenness that humans fail, have. Number two, he prays for us. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of God the Father ever making intercession for us. I don't know about you. I am so thankful. I've got, I, I, I have a mom that prays for me. I have a mother and father-in-law that pray for me every day. I had someone this week, Mark, I pray for you every day. Thank you. I need it. But I also have a Jesus who sits at the right hand of God the Father. And right now he's praying for me. And number three, he believes in me. How do I know that? When he confronts Simon, he doesn't come to Simon and says, you failure, you denied me three times. He comes to him in Luke chapter 22 and says, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed, because that's what I do. I pray for you, that, you're, you may, you, that your faith 